Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, 6, verse 20 to 26. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. So as many of you know, this past year we've been sharing the position of philosophy professor at LCC, International University in Klaipeda, Lithuania. LCC is a Christian liberal arts university. And in fact, it's the only Christian liberal arts university in Eastern Europe. LCC serves students from over 30 countries, most of whom are not familiar with the gospel when they arrive. As many of you remember, Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, uh, has been something of a theme in how we've experienced God calling us to Lithuania. Today, we want to explore the psalm further with you. As we have continued dwelling on this psalm over the past year, it seems to us as if David is speaking directly to the sort of students who come to LCC. If I were to describe a generic LCC student, she, more women than men, are at LCC, would be from another post-Soviet country, perhaps Ukraine, perhaps as far east as Kyrgyzstan. She may have some religious background. Perhaps her grandmother forced her to go to mass or to Orthodox services as a child, but she's almost certainly rebelled against that by now. Above all, she wants to make it, to be successful, to live a comfortable life. And that probably means that she's looking west, to America, or nearer and a little more accessible, to the European Union. She'd much prefer to get into a country like the United Kingdom or Germany, but Lithuania is in the European Union as well, and that gives her a foot in the door, so to speak. So when she finds out that in Lithuania there is a school that gives her just what she wants, an English-speaking university with a good business program, and professors who really care about their students, she prepares to go. Somewhere along the line, she finds out or is told that this is a Christian university, but that doesn't bother her too much. Based on her experience, religion doesn't really get in the way of living her life. LCC seems perfect, exactly what she needs to escape the broken social and economic life of her own country and succeed in the West. Yet her studies at LCC will challenge her, both mentally and spiritually. She'll see that David's words aren't just church stuff, but could transform her whole life. Let's go back to Psalm 34 and read again the section we'd like to focus on. The part we feel mo speaks most uh, directly to our student. 
and spoke most directly to us and perhaps to you as well. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow hungry and weak. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. What did our students want before coming to LCC? The same thing that many of us often still seek. We at least probably don't mean to, but it's a hard habit to break. We want to become lions. The Hebrew word used here, this word lions, often stands for the rich and the powerful, the, the strong and successful ones. We all know lots of lions, I think, in our culture. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having money and success, of course, but there's a great deal wrong with what most of us seek, expect from these things. Think about David's lion. This is a predator at the top of the food chain. No other animal would dare bother a lion. Don't, don't we look at those who have really made it in our society the same way? These are the powerful people, the clever people, the respected people. But the issue is this. The lions are the ones who, because of their achievements, view themselves as self-sufficient. These are the people who believe they can take care of themselves and don't need help from anyone. But listen to what David is singing here. The lions may grow hungry and weak, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If we look at the psalm, we see that David is not singing to the lions, but instead singing to the afflicted, the humble, the brokenhearted, the crushed in spirit. Rather, the people that uh, Jesus also is talking to in, in uh, the passage in Luke we read. To people very much like our LCC student, as a matter of fact, is David singing to us as well. Later on in the psalm, David even uses the word poor as another way to describe the righteous. Do we see ourselves as poor? Listen to this line again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. David is not telling us to shape up and start believing that the Lord is more powerful than anything and can take care of us and anyone else who stands against us. That is true indeed. But David goes beyond this in two ways. He's calling us, first of all, not to know but to act. Go ahead. Do it. Taste the Lord's goodness. Taste, then you'll see. Isn't this an interesting metaphor to use? Only after we've experienced God's goodness will our eyes be opened and we'll be able to understand how it works in the world around us. Second, David's not saying, know that God is good. If you're not convinced, I can show you a proof. That's what I, as a philosophy professor, might be tempted to say. David doesn't need proof. God's presence is as obvious to him as the ground he stands on, as the air he breathes. David is so sensitive to God's living presence that he can feel it. He can taste it. And so he invites it. He invites us, taste it for yourself. David is asking you to imagine God's goodness like an ice cream cone. Take a lick and see if you like the flavor. David is guaranteeing that you won't be able to stop with just one. Taste it, just try it, and you'll see. This invitation sounds like quite a promise, but is it actually worth laying aside our ambitions to become lions for this? 
what does the goodness of the Lord actually look like? David sums it up in a word, deliverance. So what is this deliverance David is talking about? What does this look like? Instead of being trapped by fear, David says that those who seek safety in God, who seek God's goodness, are radiant. Radiant faces. This is a significant way of putting it. You hear the echoes from other passages in the Bible, right? Moses' face was radiant for a while after he talked with God, for example. And Paul also speaks of how as we grow in Christ, our faces grow more and more radiant. But perhaps the best picture of what David means by the word comes from Isaiah 60. Isaiah asks us to imagine a mother who's lost her children. We don't know how. Perhaps they were kidnapped or lost in a fire or simply left, never to return. Imagine how she feels. While she still had them close to her, no doubt she feared, as all of us parents do, that something awful would happen to them, and now it has. Her fears have turned to horror and despair. Perhaps sometimes she fantasizes about having been strong enough or intelligent enough to have saved them. Perhaps sometimes, in spite of herself, she hopes the impossible would happen. And one day, she'd look up from her work and see them coming around the corner toward her. But in this case, Isaiah says, the impossible does happen. She looks up and sees her children running to her, arms outstretched. Isaiah asks us to imagine the mother's face at that instant. That is the radiance that the deliverance of the Lord can bring. I can guarantee you that you'll never see an expression like that on the face of a lion, no matter how big, powerful, or self-assured it may be. There's nothing like tasting and seeing the salvation of God. Our own experience of God's goodness has certainly been less dramatic than David's life or Isaiah's image, but the issue has come up every time we've been asked a simple question by a Lithuanian. So, how do you like Lithuania? Our reply has consistently been, we love it. Hearing that, they exclaim, oh, that's so good to hear. And you can hear both the pleasure and the disbelief in their voice. Pleasure, disbelief, and behind that, almost a touch of longing. They are pleased we're taking so positive an attitude toward our new country, but can't quite believe we're being more than polite. As we go on to explain that we like the food, and we like the land, and we like the sense of humor, and even the climate, which is often cold and rainy, and in the winter dark, we can sometimes almost feel them trying to imagine it from our perspective. For many Lithuanians, perhaps most Lithuanians, Lithuania is a place to escape from, rather than a place to enjoy. There are good reasons for this. Lithuania has the eighth highest suicide rate in the world and has the highest rates of heavy drinking in the European Union. Most of the men you'll find at the local homeless shelter are people who used to have a good job but lost everything through alcoholism. Lithuania as a whole is still recovering from spending more than 50 years under the thumb of the Soviet Union. There's a lot of corruption and a sense of everyone not looking beyond their own interests. There's a little idea of public spirit or service to others. Lithuanians, in short, do not feel very lion-like at present, which uh, drives some to despair and others to strive even harder to become lions. Yet that experience of inner poverty also can put them in the right place to hear David's words here. 
As we have lived with Psalm 34 in Lithuania last year, we found that David's words aren't just hopeful sounding phrases or something we should aspire toward or something we should be feeling even though we often aren't. David's not saying you need to feel that God is actually good, no. Instead, rather, this is the reality we have been living in. God's presence in Lithuania is real and we find goodness all over the place in Lithuania because of that, uh, the presence of God. Even in simple places, we taste God's goodness every time we taste the wonderful bread. We see it every time we see the sun, which isn't very often in the winter, but it's all the more welcome for that. God's goodness is also clear in bigger ways. We've gained valuable insights from our students. We felt the prayers of our supporters insulating us from the despair others have succumbed to. We've witnessed the love and wisdom of our fellow colleagues ministering to their students and helping them see a bigger world and found strength from their friendships as well. And we've been given the energy and ideas to make it through our first year as professors, which isn't easy anywhere. We've definitely witnessed God's goodness in Lithuania. In this process, we feel we've gradually been learning the lesson David wants to teach us in the psalm. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If you want to be delivered from your fears, David is saying, fear the Lord. Don't just know the Lord is in charge, act like it. The fear of the Lord lifts us beyond our need to be successful, to be self-sufficient. It can teach us a new sort of dependence, full reliance on God. Trusting God to deliver us from trouble rather than our own abilities or our social or economic position is the beginning of wisdom. That is what taking refuge in the Lord is like. Now, we don't want to come across as saying that depending on God simply makes things easier. David isn't assuring us a trouble-free life here. He isn't even guaranteeing us protection against having our hearts broken or our spirits crushed. But he is assuring us that God and the goodness of God will be with us even so. One commentator on this psalm went so far as to say, only he, who, only he who is brokenhearted and crushed in spirit will experience what the nearness of God and his help will really come to mean. This has also been our experience at LCC. Often, especially in that first semester, I'd return home after a class, exhausted from lecturing and answering questions, and exasperated by how clumsily I had done it, uh, and wonder how I could possibly do this for another day. The Lord never allowed me to escape a single class, however. <laughs> but the Lord did deliver me nonetheless. Each morning, God gave me new energy to keep trying, new ideas to keep trying. And more than that, by the Lord's grace, I'd occasionally find myself talking eloquently, really breaking through to the heart of the matter. More than once, when a student needing help on an assignment stopped by, I found myself not simply ex explaining the structure of the assignment, but really dealing with what was on their heart, sharing the message of Christ's love and grace. I still have far to go in really learning the fear of the Lord, really learning to rely on the Lord for everything. But these experiences are like sprouting seeds to me. That's also how it begins for many students who come to LCC. They come with that lion-like ambition to be strong and successful and self-sufficient, ready to do whatever it takes to get ahead. At LCC, however, they encounter the possibility of radiant life, 
They discover that it is truly possible to do business in a way that doesn't need to rely on corrupt means just because that's how everyone else is doing it, but can truly turn from evil and do good. And they learn a way of living that doesn't expect differences in nationality or race or beliefs to cause fear, division, and hatred, but sees in these an opportunity to seek peace and pursue it, as David says in the psalm. These are not easy tasks for LCC students or for any of us, but take heart. God doesn't require us to be at the top of the food chain to accomplish these things. We don't need to be the ones whose hearts are never broken, whose spirits are never crushed. Simply taste and see the goodness of God. Taste and taste again. To God alone be the glory. Amen.